Hello and welcome to the Velodrome podcast. It's already episode four. I'm Steve. Some of you may know me as the Velo21 guy, but today I'm your host on this Velodrome podcast. We really appreciate you listening today. We've already had three great episodes go out. We've spoken to Simon from Velo Performance, Aidan King, the cycling chef, and Bradley Phelps, aka Cycling Brad. So if you hadn't had a chance to listen to the other episodes, we'd really appreciate if you go back and have a quick listen to those. But today we've got another great guest talking about their cycling journey and why they love cycling. So let's dive straight in. Today we are talking to... It's Ben Jones, a.k.a. Tarmac Terra CC. Hello and welcome to the Velodrome podcast. Hi, good morning, Steve, or afternoon. Thank you very much for having us on here. It's great to be able to, to chat to someone who appreciate cycling as much as i do my dogs are sick of listening to me about it <laughs> brilliant <laughs> great to see you great to be here yeah thanks for coming on much appreciated really appreciate your time coming on so um a little bit about how we know each other again it's just instagram buddies you know you build that kind of instagram community um messaging each other backwards and forwards so about your cycling, so um, sorry, I will just touch on again. Sorry, your Tarmac Terra CC. That's your Instagram account. So if you want to go and give Ben a follow, that's Tarmac Terra dot CC for his Instagram account. So your cycling journey, where did it all start for you? So I kind of came to uh, cycling a bit late. I didn't really pick up a bike seriously until uh, I was twenty eight. And uh, this is when me and my, my now wife, uh, we bought our first house together. And, you know, when you buy a house, you're absolutely, you're skint, you're brassic for like the first months, years, you know. So we couldn't afford to, to run two cars at the same time. Uh, so we bought ourselves, bought ourselves a car. And I said, all right, love, you have the car, you can use that for commuting. And I'm going to buy a bike. And that's me. I had a bit of weight to lose, so it was a bit of an incentive there. Um, And uh, just got a bike, and I kind of forced myself to have to cycle everywhere. Um, I'd never had a road bike before. I'd never uh, ridden on the road. Uh, This was January as well, so the weather was going to be terrible. It was going to get a lot worse before it got a lot better. And uh, I bought my bike. I had some flat pedals on there, some van shoes, uh, some waterproof trousers, snowboarding jacket, snowboarding gloves, and a crap helmet. And I just went out there. I just went out there. Luckily, I uh, only lived about four miles away from work. But um, but yeah, I was just that was my only option to get to work then. Yeah, forced myself to do it. Still, it's tough, like you're saying. Those January months, it's. Uh really cold isn't it and it's bitter when you're out on the bike and it's always that thing that maybe your body's warm enough but then it's your fingers or your feet or there's just that one bit of you that gets that touch cold and you're just like oh my god this is killing me yeah yeah it was pretty brutal there was some absolutely honking days and like my routine would be to cycle into work and then cycle back home at lunchtime to to let the dog out and then cycle back into work and those lunch times where I was just absolutely wet through and I, the feeling of like, wet pants just <laughs> while I'm letting the dog out I'm sat there in wet pants I'm thinking I've got to go back to work now but yeah but after a few weeks again doing it I got myself into a routine learned how to to pack uh, pack my bag correctly and came up with uh, loads of little top tips one top tip quickly is having a uh, disposable gloves in your bag for when it is really raining just put those over your gloves and then your your gloves stay dry your hands right. stay dry so they that's a top tip free that's a freebie yeah <laughs> so after i yeah, after i've done this for a while a couple of months i absolutely loved it i loved not having to rely on the car that i can just go out on the bike and do uh, whatever it is i needed to do so i didn't have to wor- worry about traffic didn't have to worry about the time of day because of traffic whether it's school pickup or rush hour i could just go out on my own schedule i didn't have to worry about parking either i could park wherever i wanted i didn't have to sell a kidney to be able to pay for parking or the parking ticket that you get afterwards um yeah i just absolutely loved it and the most important thing as well is that it was fun it was absolutely yeah. fun to go into work you know i wasn't sat in the car in traffic getting stressed um and on the way home whatever happened in work um a quick bike ride home all the stress just went i forgot about it you know it was it was brilliant and 
I'd really urge anyone to just give it a go. Give communion mm. a go by bike. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, but that, that kind of slightly changed uh, when I moved to Cyprus uh, a couple of years yeah. later. Uh, so the, the biggest change is obviously the weather. The weather. <laughs> <laughs> not, not so hunking out to put the snowboarding jacket and the gloves away. But um, uh, So I lived about five minutes away from work. So it wasn't commuting by bike wasn't really you know, do much good for me. It was just hop on the bike, you know, my work clothes and, and off I went. Um, and I, it kind of got knocked on the head a bit, especially when uh, the weather got a lot hotter, a lot warmer, uh, kind of have to adjust your day, uh, especially if you're doing everything by bike. You have to wait, you have to do it quickly in the morning or mm. have to wait till the afternoon or uh, evening um, to, to actually get out. Because in the middle of the day, from like June to October, or June to September, it's just a write-off. It's forty degrees. It's, yeah. You can't can't be going out there. Um, so it, yeah, it kind of dropped off a bit, uh, and especially when uh, COVID hit as well. Um, everything was on lockdown. Uh, I feel absolutely really lucky that I was out in Cyprus at the time throughout the entire pandemic. Um, oh, okay. Looking at people, uh, so Cyprus was on, that was fully locked down. Like, you weren't allowed to leave your district. You weren't allowed to leave your street. You were pretty much, if you're not at work, you're at home. You're not doing ev- uh, not doing anything. But when I was reading about people stuck in apartments in London and, you know, being stuck in the houses and the weather's crap, uh, I did think I was very lucky lying on my lilo in my pool in 40 degree heat with a bar in my garden full of gin and tonic it was mm. it was a very nice place to be but uh, as the lockdowns were starting to to lift uh, kind of had a bit of a word with myself when i was looking in the mirror uh, mm. i was filling the mirror up a lot more than i used to oh, okay you know <laughs> okay. not being able to get out and i i kind of said to myself like looking at my love handles i was like i've got <laughs> i've got no excuse to be to be like this i've got I don't have a dicky back. I don't have dicky knees. Uh, I don't have kids, which is the worst thing you can do to your body. <laughs> and, uh, I thought I'm I'm getting over thirty. I'm over thirty now. I've gone through what I class as a second puberty, where your body changes after thirty. Things don't work as well as they used to, and, uh, and I've got to got to get a grip of this. Got to do something about it. So looking at things that like what I like to do, and I thought, why not actually? not just use cycling as a, a, a way to get from A to B. Why don't I, you know, go out on a long bike ride? Why don't I do this for fun? You know, give it a go. So I dug out uh, some some old uh, cycling shorts that I had and an old jersey, some old cycling shoes. And I thought, let's just give it a go. You know, I'm in Cyprus. Can't, can't be in a better place to try this out. If it if I don't like it here, uh, I'm not going to like it anywhere. Okay. Mm. Um, so... I just headed out for short rides and from then I was absolutely hooked. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um aside from like starting to lose weight, uh the feeling that you get when you're cycling, um when you're out you're out in the open, you're out in the elements, um you kind of appreciate a lot more what's on your doorstep and you start discovering, you know, what what's around you. So when you you're in a car, you're just going from A to B, you're looking forward, you don't really see what's around you. Um, mm-hmm. But out on the bike, I was seeing like more cafes, bakeries, like places to stop. I know the cafes and bakeries weren't helping with the weight loss, but <laughs> I, I, I noticed them, I saw them, saw like landmarks, I felt uh, I communicated with people a lot more, felt a lot more part of the community. Um, and I thought like I've been I've been living in Cyprus at this time for, for nearly three years. And as soon as I went out on the bike, I felt like I haven't even scratched the surface. There's yeah. so much more to this country. And being able to, to discover it through cycling was just absolutely phenomenal. I, I, I can't recommend a better way. Yeah, something you touched on there is about like explore the way you explore it. And I think as well, you f- you feel it and notice it a bit more, especially on the, the hills and things like that as well, because... You, in the car, you might not notice the gradient, and then all of a sudden you're going really slow, and it's like, oh, I've got to put some effort in it. It's quite, it's quite hilly, and then all of a sudden you're shooting off down the other side. And you're like, oh, this is a real descent, and you just don't know the the curves of the landscape, kind of thing. And you really feel them by bicycle, and then, like you say, because you're going so much slower, you can take that 
that viewing around you as well as you're going up so you get to see a lot more as well so in 2022 as well um you completely rode around cyprus so you really stepped it up and done some big big miles do you want to tell us a little bit more bit more about that challenge yeah absolutely so it was me and uh and uh, 10 other lads uh, from work and uh, we just set out to do this set out to ride around the around the island and i feel so fortunate to be able to do this it's a fantastic fantastic trip we went around the island uh, clockwise over four days and if anyone gets the opportunity to do this or wants to plan it like I'd say go for it it was a phenomenal so trip what's the sort of distance involved in that when you say it's over four days what's what's the circumference of cyprus I think it was, um, I'm going to say 420, but I can't remember whether that's kilometres or miles. But it was about uh, mm. five or six hours in the saddle uh, every day. Per and day, it, okay. Yeah, and each day ha- uh, brought up new challenges. It was new environments as well. It wasn't It wasn't all plain sailing. Um, for the first day, uh, we started off in Prataris, which is the uh, southeast of the island, southeast corner, like near Ionapan. If anyone's listening, you've been to Cyprus on holiday, you probably would have been to near these places or, yeah, you would have known these places, especially in our youths going to Ayanapa. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we started off there and we headed uh, west and it's all flat, uh, semi-rolling road along the coast and you've got the turquoise sea to your left and uh, it's brilliant the first day. And we uh, we went from Pataris to Akrotiri and stayed overnight there. Um, the next day, uh, we went uh, from Akrotiri through uh, Paphos around Aphrodite's Rock, which is a, a bit of a landmark. And again, like really nice tarmac, like rolling roads is is class. The one thing about uh, Cyprus as well is that it's got quite a low population. It's only got a million people on the island, which means there's not much traffic around at all. Then the traffic in uh, in the cities like Larnaca, Limassol, Paphos, Nicosia, it's not that bad. It ain't that bad. So going through uh, Paphos was uh, a bit of a breeze. There was no real worry, no no dramas to that. So uh, day two was uh, Akrotiri to Polis, which is the uh, the northwest of the island. And Polis is sat in like a, a bit of a, a bowl. So as we were getting closer and closer to it, it's, it's all flat. And then suddenly you've got an hour of climbing, an hour of climbing to get up and over the hill down to Polis. Um, Polis is a is a little bit of a gem. Tourists don't really go there because it's quite out of the way. Even if you're going to uh, if you land at Paphos Airport, it's quite untouched. It's a small strip of sort of pebbly beach with a few restaurants and bars uh, and a couple of hotels on there. And uh, it's mainly kind of untouched by tourists. It's, it's a lovely place, fantastic. Um, mm. Uh, day three, this is where we were going from uh, Polis to uh, the village or town of Corinia, which is in northern Cyprus on the, the northern coast. Uh, so the first first uh, first thing of the day was another hour's worth of climbing to get out of this bowl that Polis sits in. Uh, and from there, we crossed over the border into, uh, into the northern part of Cyprus. So if you're not fully aware about Cyprus and the makeup of it, uh, there was a, a a war and a Turkish invasion in the uh, 60s and 70s or around that time and Cyprus ended up splitting into two uh, into two territories you've got a northern which is aligned with Turkey and a southern territory that is aligned with Greece and crossing this border you uh, you definitely you see the different countries it's it's night and day you are crossing over into a completely new country a new territory you know, everything's different the currency is different the language is different the culture is is very different and as we we cross uh, the border we start riding through this uh, this national park or well it was called a national park but to me it kind of looked like wastelands we're going down this road and you've just got wasteland left and right and every now and again you get this big gate or archway that said national forest on it or national park it was a bit weird but as we we're going along uh towards Corinia, we see this big plume of black smoke in the distance and i start uh joking to the lads like haha you want to check that's not our hotel in Corinia? 
there's mm. anyway we called ahead it, it it wasn't the hotel but we stepped we we kept uh, going towards this this plume of black smoke, getting closer and closer. And the final bit, after, uh, there was a, a significant part of this leg where we come to a junction and it's uh, left or right. And our plan was to go left on this. And after this left turn, it would be a final descent, smooth onto the coast road. And we'd follow that all the way to Carinia. It's all nice and flat. It's like a bit of a reward after all the climbing that we've done. This fire uh, happened to be on that junction, on that left turn when we finally got there. And it wasn't only uh, just a fire, this was, uh, it was a chemical fire. So the, the, this black cloud was like blue and green. Oh, wow. It was, yeah, it was serious stuff. And not only that, it was right next to a petrol station as well. So it was, oh. it was pretty bad times. So we, we had police all around there. You could you could feel the tension in the air. Everyone was really agitated that this this fire was going to grow into something a lot more. Uh, we did ask the the cop that was there. We said, oh, "Do you mind if we just you know just zip past? We'll only be like ten seconds." But he wasn't having any of it. So we we were pretty much stuck there. Um, well, the only way around this was to go right on this junction, um, which unfortunately put us on the wrong side of the mountain range that runs along the, the north edge of Cyprus. Um, and it brings us into the center of the island towards um, the city of Nicosia. So, well, we don't really want to go this way because that's completely the wrong direction where we want to go. And we've already done loads of riding, but we didn't have any option. So we just had to take it. So we took the right turn, which took us to the motorway that uh, ran through the middle of uh, northern Cyprus. When I say motorway, it's more like a more like a dual carriageway, um, and it's legal to to cycle on them in okay. northern Cyprus. So um, it's very good for TT riders. It's long, straight, and flat. Um, so we grouped up on this motorway, and uh, we're going along, and we have to take the left, which takes us through and over uh, the mountain pass. So after all the climbing that we've done and looking forward to this nice descent to the coast, we're faced with this long, steep <laughs> climb that takes us through the mountains. Um, so we started going over it and it's it's getting hotter and hotter by this time of the day and we're all flagging. I managed to get two punctures along the way, which was very nice, very helpful. But as you get to the top and, and you're cresting through these mountains, you've got uh, you're treated to six lanes a pure tarmac all downhill and you've got the two mountains sort of like right beside you it's like you're going through the gates at jurassic park <laughs> lovely beautiful I've never been never been more happier to see to see a downhill than that and we were flying down into into carinia there's like all 10 of us all going about 60 70 like 80 kilometers an hour just flying into the town it was absolutely brilliant a, a great reward to the to the end of the day but we uh, we headed towards the hotel uh, in Carinia and we checked in but unfortunately because of our detour it put on uh, it made us i think about like an, an hour and a half or so later than we were aiming for and added yeah. on another uh, 20k or so um so unfortunately when we got there the pool was closed which uh which we're all a bit miffed about, but anyway, we got changed and we headed straight to uh, straight to the all you can eat buffet, and we sat down at our table. And who sat down at the table next to us? But only the cast of Hollyoaks, or some of the <laughs> cast of Hollyoaks. <laughs> I don't, I can't recognise all of them, but Darren was certainly there, and your main boy Chef Tony, he was there. Oh, he's Tony been in it for there. years. He's yeah. been in Hollyoaks since day dot, hasn't he? He's like Ken Barlow. Well, I thought they <laughs> killed him off the last time I saw it. He was uh, okay. lying lying down in a ditch or in like a grave, and I thought he was a goner. But no, he, he was there on the table next to us. And even better, it was his birthday. Oh, there we go. So, yeah, we all had a little sing-song with Chef Tony saying happy birthday. That was, <laughs> that was a great end to the day. So... Uh, yeah, brilliant end to, to the third leg uh, after all the all the dicking about and that. So last day, day four, and uh, we're heading from Carinia uh, over to the Panhandle, which is the north 
northeast sort of sticky outfit as you look at the vibrate. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean, yeah, yeah. Looks like a panhandle, that's why mm. we call it the panhandle. So uh, we're heading up we're heading up there and then the plan is to head south along the coast to Famagusta, then cross the border over to southern Cyprus again and then heading back to Prataris and that would be be the end of the loop. So as we, we exit the hotel and we're heading towards the, the panhandle, heading heading east, uh, we encountered some of the most beautiful roads I've ever seen. It was absolutely incredible. Like A lot of the roads that we'd seen along the way the, the previous three days were, were pretty incredible, but this was, I mean, they had smooth rolling tarmac. You had the turquoise sea to the left of you and the mountain range, now we were on the right, the correct side of it, it was just almost vertical and it felt like you could almost stick your hands out and touch either side it was phenomenal if you want like go back through my instagram and look at the reels if you want to you know yeah sort of, sort of see the sort of places that we were cycling through yeah yeah absolutely incredible now uh, as we turned the corner at the panhandle we started uh, heading south along the coast towards uh famagusta and all of a sudden we kind of seemed to feel like someone's turned the the temperature up on the oven this is about sort of lunchtime ish now about 12 one o'clock and we're starting to feel the heat like is suddenly the temperature is just rocketed and we can feel the, the heat from the sun coming down on us we're going along the sea uh which you'd think the sea breeze would uh, cool us down but it wasn't yeah. it was warm it was hot it was like someone's got a hairdryer next to your face uh and the worst bit as well was the tarmac the road underneath you was emanating heat so it was coming it was coming down from you coming from the side and it was coming up from the road and you just couldn't couldn't escape Escape it it, and and there's no shelter there's no shade or anything like that so we're all bunched in a a tight group and we're just plowing trying to get trying to get to famagusta as um as quick as we can so uh we get to famagusta eventually it's a uh small uh, Turkish city which uh, to say the the driving standards are carnage would be uh, would be very generous I think okay. <laughs> <laughs> cars everywhere and when when you were uh, when you kind of realize that there aren't actually any driving rules in the city of Famagusta it makes cycling a lot easier like you predict you think oh that guy's gonna cut me up yeah he is gonna cut you up Oh, okay. no, no worries it's fluid you just go through it and yeah that, that was cool that was class and then um we cross over the border to southern cyprus uh, back onto the greek side again and then uh straight down the coast to protaris and we finished up and as i said uh, at the beginning like if anyone gets ever an opportunity to be able to do a trip like that around cyprus it's got it all for you it's a fantastic mm. location to to ride around something uh, yeah. but a few days after that uh i did the zero to two thousand challenge uh which is cycling from uh, it's an organized cypriot event and it's uh it's a sportive that runs from uh, limassol at sea level and you go uh, all the way up to the top of Mount Olympus. So you go from the lowest point in the island to the highest, uh, which is 2,000 meters yeah. uh, elevation. So uh, in a week, I'd gone around it and gone from bottom to top. So I've yeah. done it. Completed That's a proper challenge, yeah. 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 Com- completed it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. So yeah, fantastic. I've also seen on your Instagram as well, which is uh, a slightly bizarre... Um, which obviously, as we touched on, if you get a chance to have a look on Ben's Instagram, um, where you went on an adventure to find a giant potato. Yes, the xylophagu potato, world famous. So I'll tell you a bit about Cyprus. So southern Cyprus is split by um, by the Trudos Mountains, and west Cyprus, where you got Paphos and that, is a lot more. It's a lot more humid. It's a lot greener. They grow lots of bananas there, avocados, pomegranates, tropical stuff. But as you go further east um, to uh, to where uh, I was, around Ionapa Prataris, uh, outside of those tourist areas, it's just farmland. It's uh, it's definitely a few degrees hotter, and it's dry. It's dusty and well, they grow the majority of there is potatoes. They grow oh, potatoes okay. everywhere. 
and uh, Cypriots love their potatoes. Potatoes are in everything. Uh, and I've got to admit, Cyprus potato chips are the best. They're oh, okay. absolutely phenomenal. But nowhere loves the potato more than the little village of Xylophagu, where in uh, uh, 2021, the mayor or the of the village uh, erected this giant potato in homage <laughs> to their favorite vegetable because it's um, massive it's absolutely massive isn't it when we say it, giant potato we're not just talking like the size of like a rugby ball we're no, talking it, like a, a statue it's the biggest potato i've ever seen <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh so th- yeah this was erected and uh and this was received with mixed reviews a lot of people saying it's quite phallic uh I saw or whatever, but the locals were up in arms about this. They they didn't like this potato at all, and this was because it was reported that the uh, the local mayor had spent twenty thousand euros on making this potato statue. Wow. That's what it was reported as. I'm not sure if that was the actual figure, but the locals were going, "We've got potholes in the road. We've got crumbling buildings. We've got yeah. you know you could do more infrastructure for the farms." And you built this sodden potato, potato. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i tell what, you what though it put it put xylophagu on the map internationally okay. <laughs> i even saw it on the news on the bbc in the uk it's absolutely world renowned reported globally and if you've, they've made some additions to this so you've got some astroturf so it looks like the potatoes in its natural habitat you've got a little wall so you can sit and take selfies they've even done a lay-by so you can uh, park your car up. And if you think this potato is a one-trick pony, Steve, mate, December, to honour the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, they dress it up like a, a in lieu of a Christmas tree. They put Christmas tree lights on it and a star on it. So you've got to Google it, Xylophagu potato, Cypress potato. It's yeah. got, at Christmas it's, time... It's beautiful. definitely worth a look. It's definitely worth a look. It's, it's a very uh, pretty spud. It's interesting. It's very yeah. interesting. <laughs> so what what keeps you cycling now that you're back in the UK? Uh, so, wow. Well, now I'm back in the UK. It's kind of... Uh, I'm really interested to see how far I can go with this and how far I can push myself. Like, uh, I like the phrase, uh, fair seas never made a good sailor. Um, mm. I'm, I'm hoping that applies to uh, to cycling as well. Like when I was well, cycling around Cyprus, the weather was nice all the time. If it rained, you didn't bother going out because you know it was going to be sunny tomorrow. Now I've got cold, I've got wind, I've got rain. I've got to take it on. You know, that's going to make me a better cyclist for sure. Hopefully. <laughs> so I thought you would have been hardened to that though, from doing the commuting in the winter already. Oh, too many years uh, sunning myself, bronzing myself, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've gone there. Uh, too, too acclimatised to the nice yeah. temperature now to come back and and get back into it again. Yeah. So it, is it mainly for the fitness or mental well-being? Do you feel it's it benefits you? Well, it's a bit of both. So uh, when I, when I uh, took to cycling like for, for fun, it was, uh, first of all, just to lose some of that weight and become physically fitter. Um mm. You know, we all know you, you burn more calories than you eat. You're going to lose weight. Um, that's that's fine. But uh, one thing I didn't expect was how it was going to affect me mentally and yeah. how much and how much better I feel about myself. Now, before I I took up cycling as a as a sport, I didn't I wouldn't say I was depressed, uh, but I certainly felt more stressed out about certain situations. Certainly had. You know, we all have down days, but I certainly felt them. Um, I just felt uh, just not really like that that nagging feeling that, that we all get when we get to a certain age and in the back of our heads that's, that's telling us or asking us, like, are we doing enough? Like, are we doing enough for ourselves? Are we doing enough for our family? Are we working hard enough? Should we be uh, achieving more of those? And now I've taken up uh, this sport where I'm just de-stressing myself all the time I just feel so much better so mm. much better in my head I'm not I'm not feeling uh, so stressed out anymore I'm approaching situations with a more positive can-do attitude um, and something that I really didn't think was going to happen is that I bring this into the workplace I take this to work so um, 
I'm going in, I'm started to enjoy my job. I started to enjoy work, which I never thought would happen. And, <laughs> and these, yeah, the positivity that, that, uh, I'm feeling is just uh, brilliant. Um, I've got to say as well that, uh, a lot of this, uh, is also helped out by my wife as well. My, my gorgeous wife, Steph, I love you. Love you lots. <laughs> if, you, if you've made it this far in the podcast, listening to me, I know you have to listen to me every day anyway. But she, uh, she supported me a lot with this, especially with uh, my nutrition as well. And the both of us, uh, additionally have, uh, cut out alcohol, uh, mm. al- almost completely. And it's, that's just, I don't miss it, mate. I don't yeah. miss it. I don't miss yeah. the bad food. I don't miss the alcohol. And I'm just, I'm really enjoying uh, being this person, you know, mm. that, uh, that that does these things, that, that feels better. And, and that's kind of motivating me to, uh, yeah, to, to push forward as to well. To do more. Yeah. The, do more. Some, something that Simon touched on in the first episode that we did on the podcast was that the motivation he finds comes from doing and that the doing creates more doing and yeah. that's really true that is it's that time that you know that time that you didn't want to get up and do and do it maybe you've like i got up this morning and i did an early ride and it it was hard but i thought like right okay we're gonna we're gonna do it and then it made me think i really want to do that again tomorrow because i've got time again tomorrow so i'm like if i missed it today i might have thought oh i can miss that again tomorrow whereas it's been done today so i know it's going to get done tomorrow kind of thing you know and that, yeah. that doing pushes and like you're saying and then it all falls in that like the diet the nutrition side of things that you know you're eating better and as well once you start eating better say you take on better quality proteins and things like that you you tend to snack and crave sugary things less as well because you're fulfilling yourself properly within your diet and the the reason why uh, i've listened to another podcast before and they were saying about um when you're eating things that are like virtually no nutritional value that you want to keep consuming it's because there's nothing in it and we gave an example of pringles at the time that once you pop you can't stop kind of thing that's their slogan and there is a moorish element to them but the doctor that was talking on there was saying because there's absolutely no nutritional value in them and that you'll just keep on going and that's the main reason why you keep eating those things. So if you fulfill yourself better with better quality foods, you keep your diet much more healthy as well. So it's it's like that roundabout thing and, and you know, keeping yourself active and everything like that. It all falls into that one thing, really. So also, have you got any set yourself any big challenges for 2023? Have you got any big cycling challenges for this year? Really, uh, I don't have massive challenges uh, for this year. As I'm coming back into the UK, I want to uh, I want to sort of experience some of the things that are available in the UK that, that I just didn't have uh, out in Cyprus. So, big one is I want to join a club. Uh, I've been here a few months now, and I've, I've been a bit lazy. My calendar's been full, so I haven't really got round to doing that yet. But that's a big one, and I'm hoping that that's going to, uh, as I said, push myself even more get more involved uh find cycling friends find (laughs) find some cycling friends out there and uh and yeah get amongst it um sportives as well like i I do enjoy good sportives i've seen there's there's loads in the calendar i want to take advantage of that especially like closed road stuff um also like the big big one that i want to do this year is i want to start racing i want to see like Like I've put so much effort uh, into getting myself fitter for cycling. Like, let's get something out of it. Let's get some silverware on the mantle. Let's uh, let's get some medals. Get some points. You know, let's see. Let's see how we get on. So there's a couple of crits uh, coming up. There's one uh, this month, and there's a couple next month. That I'm going to be uh, entering. Okay, we'll see, good. We'll see see what happens. Um, good, good. Yeah, so uh, other things that has piqued my interest is uh, the grind duro that's happening in Wales, uh, what's just happened, and maybe a leg jog. But I don't think I don't think that's going to be this year. I think I might might be able to squeeze that in next year, maybe okay. potentially. You know, yeah. who knows? I mean, but you really I... push yourself with the racing. That's the one thing. Um, you know, I've done it in the past, I did it sort of twenty eighteen, and it really does bring you on. It was probably the fittest I'd ever been 
with regards to the cycling. And my tip to you is just stay off the front. Just stay yeah. off the front. Just stay in the bunch. Just try and stay out the wind because um, it is quick and it goes off and it just and you you kind of think it, you're about two minutes in and you think he'd slow down because everyone's fresh got fresh legs then yeah so they're really pushing um and you know you do get the odd break or something so just stay within the bunch that's all i'd recommend to you really um and then talking about uh you wanting to join a club as well sometimes um your local bike shop all know of sort of clubs in your area or maybe through British Cycling there may be some advertising on there for for your your kind of local club but a lot of the time like your local shop will run a small club um, which can be quite good to get into because then sometimes yeah. some of the, the bigger clubs um, can be difficult to fit into um, sometimes but yeah it's a local bike shop and BC are probably the best things to, to look at there to, to, to get into that but obviously if you've been looking at crits and things you know that, that what's on BC as well so yeah some some good stuff coming up then yeah yeah really excited this year uh, overall uh, I've kind of said to myself I'm going to invest in myself um, like I said cut out alcohol cut out bad habits really want to throw uh, throw a bit of money into like good kit, good equipment, good nutrition. Mm. Get some races, race license. Like, let's invest in myself. Invest in me yeah. this year, um, which is yeah, kind of. I'm quite quite looking forward to seeing uh, what I'm like at the end of the year. That's uh, that's kind of uh, one thing uh, that I'm hoping mm. for. A bit of a side note, a bit of a silly flippant thing. I've always wanted to be able to run without my shirt on confidently. Okay. <laughs> the weird, the weird, weird challenge, like weird goal. But I've always wanted to do that. And uh, <laughs> me and my missus have said, like, okay, we might go back to Cyprus for a holiday uh, at the at the end of the year. And uh, I said, right, well, as soon as we get off the plane, tops off, shoes on, <laughs> running down the Ionapa Strip. <laughs> That's, that's my goal. That's the goal. So that's that's, yeah. the, that's the big goal for 2023. That's then the big goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So cool. I mean, something we just touched on there. Like, obviously, you tend to cycle alone. Then you tend to cycle by yourself rather than in a group. I do. Yeah. At the moment, I'm kind of just uh, just finding time within the day. Uh, one of the things that I love about cycling is that there's not much prep that you really have to do if you've got a spare hour hour and a half just get your kit on and, and go you know um one thing that put that puts me off mountain biking is the first thing you got to do is load the car up and then drive to somewhere to go mountain biking road uh road cycling like, it's there it's on your doorstep like you're good to go um so most of the time i just grab the opportunities wherever i can but so uh, the more and more my calendar is going to uh, free up and i get invested into into a club i uh, i'll probably find myself uh, cycling more and more in groups yeah. and more organized rides i do enjoy cycling in a group i do like um you know getting the chat going getting the cafe stops in and you find uh, the when other people plan the route for you, you find new uh, find new opportunities. You find new roads. You know, it's sharing the knowledge, and yeah. uh, you know, it, yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, like they say, with uh, with chess and like a lot of things, you only get better when you're cycling or competing against people who are better than you. You know, that mm. gives you the the edge. So when you surround yourself with people who are really good at cycling, maybe it'll rub off on you. You know. Yeah. Definitely, it definitely oh, yeah. does bring you on because you know when you're going up the climbs and things, and you don't want to be letting people down, like being too far back or anything like that. And then sometimes some people can just absolutely like fly away, and it does make you think, God, I've got to, I've got to put some effort in now to, yeah, to yeah. stay with this guy, kind of thing. And um, yeah, so um, it does definitely bring you on. It does definitely bring you on. Um, and like you say, it's it's that kind of chucky kit on and off you go is the beauty of of riding solo um you know everyone's work and commitments or family lifestyle commitments are different so some people are free at this time some people are free at other times and then you know just down to yourself oh there's a bit of time in the diary now go 
and the sun's out, quick, go. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's I mean, more like what it is now. <laughs> it's breaking the clouds, quick, go. <laughs> yeah, because the rain this year, So, because I work outside as well um, as my full-time job, so I notice the weather. I notice the weather all the time, um, and yeah, it's just terrible. It's just terrible. Yeah. Uh, this this year has been really wet because last year was really dry, um, but this year so far has been absolutely terrible. Um, well, it's going to build up to a good summer. That's Isn't it, that how crossed. it goes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so we're getting all the rain out of the way now, so it'll be it'll be lovely and dry, won't it? For, uh, for it will the, be for the dry summer. and hot. So when you're out on the bike, what's your kind of go-to snack? Um, or fueling food when you when you're out riding. So uh, this is yeah, this is something I haven't really uh, explored yet. Because okay. uh, while I was in Cyprus, I just stick to gels. Because again, like talking about the the immense heat, like it goes up to above 30, 40 degrees. So if you've got anything that's sort of meltable in your back pocket, you, it's, it's not going to survive. It's gone. <laughs> you know, it's liquid. You. Just sort of squeezing it like a frube. Um so uh, I, I used to yeah, I just stick to, to gels really. Um mm. although uh again your gels get hot just like anything else in your back pocket. My favourite was uh the SIS uh cherry flavoured ones. Mm. So if I stuck a couple of those in my back pocket and went out on the road for for an hour or so to get it out, it's red hot, it's like tastes like black forest gatto it's amazing <laughs> phenomenal but it doesn't really work because some of the other flavors like hot pineapple not great uh no. hot hot tropical no to no go yeah so yeah. This, I'm, I'm quite interested in uh in seeing uh, like recipes and stuff that uh, okay like yeah there's some rice, good... rice cakes and stuff for yourself you know yeah there's some good books out there um yeah like uh, there's a few good books out there that do basic sort of recipes and stuff that are cycling specific. Um, I tended to just have um, moving away from like brands and gels and things because not everyone can stomach a gel. That's the no. one thing that there can be there can be a bit harsh. But I'm the kind of person like yourself, like you could have them, I can have them. Um, but then there's that thing if you're ever doing a long, long day, just having the same thing over and over again was perhaps a bit sickly almost and i always used to have um, yeah. jam sandwiches and peanut butter was my yeah. thing because you've got the slow release carbs fast release carbs and then protein in the peanut butter if you choose to have the peanut butter but like a lot of the time just the and if you're out for sort of if i was anything over 30 mile i'd have to be having something else to eat as well like i couldn't just yeah. fuel before i went um and i, I imagine with regards to in Cyprus as well, that with the heat, you would have got through some water as well. That's the, the other yeah, thing. definitely, and electrolytes as well because you're sweating yeah. so much, you you lose uh, all your salts and your minerals, and yeah. Uh, yeah, you need need to keep on top of that as well. Yeah, so obviously yeah. there's good there's good other brands as well out there that do good electrolyte drinks and things like that as well. So it's it's something else you can look into. There's plenty of stuff out there. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're they're all good. I'm sure they've all got their their pros and cons. You know, and see yeah. see what works best for me, Richard. Yeah. But I, I get uh, having to have like a sandwich or something. If you're just using gels, you kind of crave something to to chew. You know, something, yeah. something solid. Yeah, it can get a bit tiresome after a while. Yeah. yeah. So, um, how many bikes do you own then? Yeah, the, the, my road bike is the same road bike that I got seven years ago to uh, to get myself to work and back. It's a, a charge plug. Um, if you remember, charge did. Uh, they were quite famous for doing steel bikes. Uh, when by the time I got round to to buying one, they st- they did a year a run of uh, aluminium bikes, uh, which I got one of those, and then uh, charged quite promptly wrapped up uh, mm-hmm. after that. So I'm not sure if making aluminium bikes wasn't their thing and that killed them okay. off but, uh, yeah. Yeah. but uh, yeah brilliant bike, it's, it's bomb proof it's got me around the island it's got me up to the top of Mount uh, Mount Olympus in Cyprus, Like I can't fault it it's my little yeah. workhorse yeah. yeah, great stuff um, 
And that, that's it, really. Uh, the chief of finance, a.k.a. Uh, my wife, has uh, approved the purchase of a new bike this year. There we go. Very exciting. Yeah, uh, so it's going to be my first proper space rocket of a road bike. So uh, yeah. watch this Good space. Stuff. Very that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, are you a calf stop cyclist? So if you've gone out for the day, do you tend to like to have a little stop? Uh, if I'm out on my own, uh, no, I don't. Because I kind of feel like sitting in a cafe on your own seems a bit it's billy a bit, no, mate. Yeah. It's a bit billy no, mate. So, I, I, yeah, I avoid that uh, on my own. But definitely in a group, uh, I think it can, it can add sort of an incentive, uh, you know, if people are a bit apprehensive about going a certain route going up a certain hill you can say oh there's a there's a cafe at the other side you know it does homemade croissants blah 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 yeah, yeah. go a bit of encouragement there yeah nice I, little think, treat. I think it helps yeah nice little <laughs> treat although if i do that i try and plan it so it's the uh like certainly the last quarter or the last third of the ride and you don't want to hit the cafe early on and then you've got to carry around all your all your coffee and cakes with you yeah like, inside you <laughs> so if you if you do stop what are you having what's your uh, oh black uh it's gonna be it's gonna be black coffee no milk no sugar no fun just straight <laughs> up straight up practical all speed uh as far as the cakes i mean well whatever it is i'm gonna have two of them uh so maybe <laughs> maybe something a bit pink and sparkly to make up for the boring coffee i don't know okay. Big into donuts, big into cakes, you know, happy. Happy with anything, mate. Good you know. stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> as long as so two of them. We just <laughs> touched we just touched on previously about the potential purchase of a new bike. Um and so what yeah. is the dream bike? Well, the dream bike, you know, I would really quite like a cargo bike. If okay. uh, you know, going a bit out there, uh, I think uh, I would really like to be able to get a cargo bike and ditch the car altogether. I think that would be fantastic. I think my wife would object to uh, me putting her in the cargo bit and cycling her <laughs> around yeah. around all the traffic. There, I think I would really like that. But oh, uh, that's that's a little impractical. I, well, practical yeah, or so, impractical. Well, what, um, one of the the businesses or the businesses I'm associated with is um, Velo Tool, and they. Uh, yeah. They've had a an elephant bike, which is one of the old post office bikes, which is exactly yeah, that, like the yeah. cargo on the front um, for doing his delivery. That, like when he's got his orders, he then puts them in and then goes to the the local sorting office to to deliver the parcels. So the first route of the Velo Tool um, journey is via bicycle, which is good. Is yeah, uh, that's good. Uh, if I had a, another option. Which is yes. probably the option that most people will probably agree with. Uh, you know, you get people who are going to say Pinarellos, you know, uh, all the really Colnagos, very expensive ones. I would really like a tricked out, customized, specialized Alley Sprint. I think they look phenomenal. I think yeah. they're class looking bikes and yeah. they're aluminium. So it's going to it's gonna be still going when, when you're in the ground. You know, <laughs> it's, it's going to last forever. But yeah. I would have to have it. Uh, I have to have to have it customized paint. It's got to have the big carbon wheels, integrated handlebar, DI2. You know, it's got to have the works. Um, which you could think, well, why not just get a tarmac? Surely that's a lot better. But no, I just think I just think having an aluminium frame in that shape is just cool. It's I nice. think that's yeah, really yeah. cool. I agree with that. That's nice. Yeah. And then, like you say, with having it customed and that bleak, that bit of bling. Nice. Yeah, I, nice. yeah. I, I definitely. That's something. Money, no object. I'll have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to ask nicely then. Specialised. <laughs> if you're out there listening, you know, I'll, I'll give you my address. <laughs> I don't think the podcast reaching quite that far yet. So uh, a few, few more months. A few more a few months. More um, we'll get yeah. there. So, where is your dream place to go riding, or a cert- is there a certain road that you've seen that's just like? I need to ride up this road. Oh, well, I keep keep seeing people going up. Uh, it was in Mount uh, Ventu in Ontu, South yeah. France. Ontu, yeah. yeah. That looks class, that. That yeah. looks stunning. And what a, what a fantastic, like, 
like object that tower at the top something to aim for and uh, yeah that looks that is class i would mm. absolutely love to do that that'd be awesome yeah good stuff good yeah. stuff so yeah that's uh, another one i've not been out that way cycling yet so that's um another one i'd like to do actually i'd like to go up onto as well um because it's such an iconic climb you know if if you've not watched um Tour de France and much Tour de France and things like that. Nine times out of ten, they'll go up the climb, um, yeah. and it looks yeah absolutely phenomenal when those guys are racing up it as well. It's it's next level really. It's brilliant yeah. stuff. It's cool. Yeah. It's got it's got different seasons as well. You know, you go up in the summer, it looks class. You go up in the winter when it's snowing. I've seen people uh, go up where the road's been ploughed, and uh, mm. that, looks, that looks cool as well. You know, yeah. clear road, tower, snow brilliant amazing stuff yeah maybe one day maybe one day with my new bike with my new specialized alley elite custom (laughs) or alley sprint (laughs) yeah good stuff right i think we've just about come to the end of all our questions and our little chat it's been a lot of fun ben thank you very much for coming on the the velodrome podcast i've had a lot of fun too good great great to speak to you steve great to meet you thank you very much for having me on the the podcast Again, that was fantastic talking to Ben. Um, we really appreciate his time in helping us make this episode for today. Um, and one thing I find really interesting is we've spoken to four different people now and everyone's story is completely different. Um, and to be honest, I think we'll run a lot of these speaking to all different cyclists. And it's the fact that, you know, everybody's story is different and that's why it's so interesting and you know, we're just talking to regular, everyday cyclists that are, you know, passionate about their cycling, and they've all got a different story to tell, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and it's really interesting, obviously, speaking to Ben about the way he started commuting in the UK, then going out to Cyprus and becoming obviously acclimatised to the hot weather out there, and then he struggled a little bit as he's come back, but then he's really got the bug for it this year, obviously focusing on some racing and stuff like that as well, which is absolutely brilliant, really. Pushing yourself, that's the one thing I love about this sport. You know, you you get into it, you get hooked in, and then you push yourself and see how far you can go. It's absolutely brilliant. So once again, we thank you for listening to this episode. I've been Steve, your host, the Velo 21 guy. Thank you for listening to this Velodrome podcast and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>